Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Daily Objective, or if you're watching this in the United Kingdom, The Nightly Objective. See, that's the kind of humor we appreciate around here. We are not edgy. We are not groundbreaking. We say humor is fine the way it is. No need to push new boundaries. But we're going to explore the topic today because the title, as the title says, uh, why transgression is not dissent. We are going to uh, dis discuss the topic today, and um, we have with us a man who, you know, you've heard me introduce him many times. He is from Greece. He is a descendant, probably, of the inventors of philosophy, of science, of, um, of uh, not only that, but in fact, of, of laughing at the gods. Laughing at the gods. This is something the Greeks did first, and that type of... Um, human-based hierarchy of values, that type of uh, humanism, if you like, gave us the world as we know it today. At least that's my understanding of history. But he's going to help us understand why uh, humor should be kept simple, non-offensive, and why edgy people are faking something. Or am I wrong? Nikos Sotorikapoulos. Thank you very much. Yes, so in a way you are wrong, but I'm wrong first and foremost with the title because it's a bit confusing. So I want today to talk about transgression and what is real transgression and what is not real transgression. So what gave me this, uh, what gave me this uh, kind of food for thought is that for the last maybe half a century, almost most of the new kind of let's say fashions or trends in arts, but also in politics, have transgression at their center. And let's define our terms. Transgression by meaning of, in a way, shocking the, the, shocking the consciousness of the establishment or going against some norms and going beyond and breaking some norms. Now, when you do this, this is something which is to be celebrated. For example, Galileo was really transgressive. Ayn Rand was as transgressive as it gets. Transgressive, edgy, however you want to call it. Now, my suspicion, though, is that in the last five or six decades, what passes for transgression is not really transgression. But because we live in a time of low standards, non-judgmentalism, transgression has become very, very easy. And let me give you an example. You watch the, most of the people have watched the other day the WAP, if I'm not mistaken, video clip that has kind of shocked many conservatives. And the idea is, oh, that's too transgressive. But in the world we live in, you watch for like 20 seconds, like, oh yeah, I've seen this before like a million times. So what I want to do today is try to basically trace back why transgression has become so, in a way, mainstream. And the interesting thing is that when transgression becomes mainstream, then it's not transgressive anymore. So let me give you one example. And we will go back to the 1950s and 1960s United States. So a lot of people think that transgression comes from the counterculture, from the beatniks, from the new left. But actually, I think that this almost, I would say, it kind of cult of transgression, this, 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 this urge for transgression comes from a society which is not ready to defend itself. And that is very weak. So if we go to the mainstream culture in the 50s, we find, or the 60s, we find a film by Marlon Brando, which is called, with Marlon Brando, which is called The Wild One. And it has one scene that captured my attention. 
So someone is asking him, what are you rebelling against? And Brown replies, what do you got? So basically it's, I'm rebelling against anything. And because quite often life imitates art, here's in an interview in 1967 with Abby Hoffman. So for those of you who don't know him, Abby Hoffman was one of the poster boys of the new left and the counterculture. And here I'm quoting the interview. Quote, what do you want? Asks the interviewer. Hoffman replies, to win. To win what? Fuck you. So that was kind of Hoffman's statement. So it's, it's basically, a statement says, I'm so radical, I don't even need ideas. I'm rebelling. And that, that's, that's it. And this was so culturally big, this had, had such a cultural impact that a lot of people claim that the counterculture of the 60s basically became the establishment and the norm of the next decade. So I'll pause here. This is kind of my understanding of the roots of the topic. And I just want your opinion on this kind of fusion of transgression with I stand for nothing and with everything with this world is bad. So I'm against everything. And the mere fact that you ask me what I'm against, it's kind of useless. I mean, um, it's a tough one and it's complicated. And uh, our culture itself is a sort of mongrel philosophy culture. We have so many different influences. It's difficult to know which, which elements of the culture co are coming from a nihilistic influence and which are more of a remnant of a sort of in-body, earthly love of life that comes from, you know, the Renaissance and from, from ancient Greece and, and Rome, etc. Um, so it's difficult. I could only really say um, the easiest thing to do is it the easiest thing in the world if you're not personally funny, if you're not an entertainer, it's the easiest thing to do to sit in your armchair and say, oh, that's nihilistic. Oh, that's, you know, rebellion for its own sake. But when you're actually the one uh, taking these new steps, sometimes you're going to um, do things that will look like you're just trying to, uh, you know, shatter cultural norms like Diogenes, but really it's coming from a place of um, genuine curiosity. And it's difficult. I mean, I'm not a philosopher. I'm not, I don't have a theory of entertainment, of art, of any of it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm more coming from the place of, ooh, what's funny to me? Like what's, uh, what would be what would be uh, interesting to create and to see? So, it's it's very difficult. I mean, we're not going to have an exact um, answer to some of these questions here today. I can tell you, uh, you know, not in twenty minutes and not in twenty hours. It's it's complicated. Is my answer? You know, Lenny Bruce is um, is sort of the father of modern comedy. Um, he's a stand-up comic. He he faced prison time for swearing publicly i mean on a stage in a club that's not that's not quote public but still in the 1950s and 60s he in certain districts he was facing prison time and he ended up killing himself i think that's that's how it happened he was facing prison time and before he could reach a verdict he committed suicide and there's probably a lot wrong with him personally um and uh, there's a great movie called Lenny, which like depicts his life and uh, Dustin Hoffman plays Lenny Bruce. And in a climactic scene, spoiler alert, Lenny Bruce is screaming in the courtroom, let me do my set here in court. Let me sh prove to you that it has social value. Now we know, or we, we can already tell you why he's fighting a losing battle. 
as as edgy and as as groundbreaking as he is his his ethics are conventional they're utilitarian he's saying let me prove to you there's social value to my work and unfortunately that's what we see here today we have people that are now offended by everything the kind of social justice um egalitarians and the response to them is always like oh no it benefits society to have these types of um entertainers there's social value to it but really it should be i have free speech and i i have my reasons whether they're good or bad i have my reasons to go there and i should not be persecuted for it now all of that just covers legality obviously but in terms of the actual merit to someone like lenny bruce I mean, listen, this is in the 1950s and 60s. He gets up on stage and he says, you know, when I say the word Jew, you all know what I mean. One who killed Christ. Everyone's like shocked. Oh my God, he just went there. And Lenny goes, I know, I want to just come clean. It's true. We did kill Jesus. It was my family. I found a note in the basement. <laughs> this is like, this is, I mean, this is rich, you know, whatever whatever other unintelligible work he's done, whatever kind of vulgarity he, he spoke of on stage. I can understand people calling it nihilistic, but I mean, that's rich right there. Some of the historical stuff, the cultural stuff, it's just, it's, I mean, and, and uh, something, a type of artist like a comedian kind of needs to kind of go everywhere. It needs to kind of explore everything, even if sometimes it just seems like vulgar for its own sake in order to kind of come up with these uh, occasional gems. That's kind of my view at the moment. I, again, I'm not a philosopher. I don't, and I don't have a theory of comedy or of entertainment, but I'll, I'll, I'll finish this, uh, this monologue with the way I began it by saying the easiest thing to do in the world is, uh, to read romantic manifesto and to think that now you're Ayn Rand in her sixties with magnificent novels in your catalog and you're able to just point and say, oh, there's nihilism, oh, there's romanticism, oh, like, there, here's what's happening in the culture. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, but to do it well, to do it right, is not easy at, at all. You really need to pay your dues and be very prudent. Back to yeah, you. Yeah, so, again, we, this is not so much to judge particular performances, but you mentioned comedy. So, as one conservative commentator called Theodore Delrymple, and I'm notorious for butchering names, and I think I just did it, in a book which is called Our Culture, What's Left of It. Now, this is a very, 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 very conservative critique of our culture, right? So, you know, don't quote me on that. But he says something interesting. He says, in order to have humor, you need to have some sense of proportion. So you need to say, for example, and now I'm paraphrasing, the, the example you, you said, why is this funny? Because for example, we see the anti-Semites and we judge that they are stupid. So this joke now becomes funny. And again, explaining a joke is not, it's the worst thing that one could do. But in a society where nothing is, so to speak, sacred or nothing is to be valued, there can be no transgression. So this is where I'm getting at. I'm not getting that transgression is wrong. I'm actually saying the exact opposite. That in a society where you have no values, no, sorry, no, no standards. So for example, when you have the political elites mocking themselves, when you have the political elites clapping at Greta Thunberg in a completely masochistic way, like there's something weird there when she's kind of berating them and they're clapping, then any edgy political critique becomes completely non-edgy because these people, they don't even take themselves seriously. So our critique, not our critique, because 
again, today, you know, we kind of dragged you at the last moment on the topic, so that's, that's not necessarily your, but my view is that when nothing, when there are no standards, there is no transgression. And here's an example, because if there's one thing which is worse than the left, as we both know, is what? The right. So I want to take you back some years ago to 2016, and not so much to the so-called alt-right, but to the so-called alt-light. So what these people did is, basically, they tried to play by the book of the new left in the 1960s. So that's why you have the, weird, the memes. Some of them were funny, many were not funny at all. But it's very interesting to see why they went with the very, very, very provocative memes. The, the Holocaust jokes, the Milo tweeting to Ben Shapiro a photo of a black baby and saying, you know, congratulations or your, and all that stuff. And actually someone asked Milo Yiannopoulos on that. And he said, no, 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 that's not racism. He said, that's performative racism. And why do I find this very interesting? Because again, it's transgression for transgression sake. So it's saying, which are the sacred cows of today? Feminism and political correctness. We are gonna attack them. My only problem with that, not my only, my main problem with that is that this attack is very shallow because again, it's transgression for transgression's sake. It's not saying I don't like this and I think it should be changed for this and this and this. And then it got the momentum of its own, and you have the so-called, I think it's called seat posters and the fort sun and all that stuff, which at the end of the day was also the grave digger of that movement or that milieu. So again, I might sound a bit conservative here, but I think that in a world that transgression has become so mainstream and everyone is going after transgression, it's almost impossible to be radical. And because you're radical against what? I remember some years ago, I saw in a university a poster that some students would do a theatrical play against Trump. And obviously they thought, you know, that's very edgy. Well, okay, good, but you are number 85 million people who makes a joke against Trump or like, you know, Trump is bad. Again, this urge to be transgressive takes away any possible radicalism. And I hear in my mind a bit like paternalistic today, but it's a topic that has been, that I'm trying to get somewhere, but I'm not 100% sure exactly where I'm heading with. I mean, it's complicated. There's, as you're talking, there's so many different uh, angles I can approach this from, so many different aspects to look at. Um, I don't like uh, WAP. I'm, I'm not into that kind of um, grotesque, like, sexual type of entertainment, unless it's being done for comedic purposes. Like to me, it's, it's funny to be so outrageous, but that's not really where most people seem to be coming from with it. And it's, so I'm, my, my life has gotten so strange because um, I kind of uh, came into the world of, of entertainment, of like rap and doing that whole thing. It's kind of a very tongue in cheek, kind of satirical thing where I'm sort of like pushing the boundaries like pushing them and then going farther and then going past the line, but sort of making fun of people who cross the line as well all at once. And then, uh, and then I end up kind of um, around people like objectivists who are just completely unfamiliar, like they're li just living 25 years in the past culturally. And now I've become like, like the spokesman for rap and for edgy and offensive and border, like crossing the border comedy. So 
it's, it's kind of a, a very strange place to be. So no, just when it comes to just kind of um, just very, very vulgar lyrics about sex and, and women like Kylie Jenner and, uh, and uh, Megan Thee Stallion, who I think did that, did, did that song, and Nicki Minaj. I don't even like Nicki Minaj's name. Like, I don't like it. It just, it's, uh, it's, it's way too um, grotesque. But again, it, uh, <laughs> it, it's a very difficult topic to unpack. Is this, like, how much of this type of thing, that WAP, how much of it is kind of liberating versus how much of it is, is, um, is devaluing the body and sex. I think with something like WAP, it's so over the line of devaluing that we can just basically say it's essentially uh, stripping sex of any, any attachment it has to values. Like it's Christianity, you know, uh, the negative, the uh, inverse of Christianity, where rather than sex should not have, like uh, rather than uh, sex is just, is just the mind you know, in connection to God with no bodily value. And now, but now they flipped it over and they've made sex just a body experience with no mind, with no uh, sort of value, if, if, if you sort of uh, follow what I'm trying to get at. Um, when interesting thing about the alt-right and Milo is I think at this point, they would be fine with censorship. They would be fine with outlawing um, edgy comedy or speech in general, as long as they get Christianity and um, you know, social, social norms enforceable by law. I mean, the other day, just about a week ago, Milo's uh, big sort of return is he, he debated on stage a guy named Destiny. And Milo said, he said he would be fine with anti, um, what's the word where you make, where you uh, use the Lord's name in vain, like anti- uh, yeah, anti-blasphemy laws. He says he go. Milo said, if we're going to start looking at you know anti-hate speech laws and all these laws about speech, then maybe we should just make it illegal to to insult Jesus Christ. Milo said he would be fine with that. So this is this is the free speech warrior. Just a couple short years after he was willing to die on the hill of free speech, and I think a lot of these alt-right people, they've. I mean, you look how quickly they've become friendly to religion. Originally, the alt-right was, was like identifiable as like, oh, these guys, they're socially liberal and fiscally conservative. They were like libertarians uh, with just a little bit flirty with the racist stuff. Now they've gone complete, like um, the complete reverse of those two things. They're, they're fiscally liberal, so to speak. They're, they're Bernie Sanders fiscally and they're um, Pat Buchanan when it comes to enforcing uh, social uh, social, the social issues. Uh, they're, they're fine with making homosexuality illegal again. A lot of them don't tell Milo. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of them are fine with making homosexuality illegal or having sexual norms enforced, like maybe sec waiting till marriage to have sex, just various things that uh, they see as a response to the sort of um, full egalitarianism of the left, this complete um, rejection of all values. And of course, it adds extra complications to the matter when the left are um, offended by everything and they've sort of become religious in their enforcement of, of um, feminism and all of these things. So it's become very complicated. And, and I'll tell you now what I tell you every time we talk is that at the end of the day, it's just about what are we for as objectivists? We are for objectivism and we're not going to be able to kind of unpack all these other philosophies in time to save the world. We're just going to have to 
present a positive and hope to inspire people with it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's hits the, the nail in the head because, again, the transgression of the alt-right was basically a reaction to the left, but as a negative. That's why at the end of the day, they end up as each other's mirror image. And as I mentioned last time, so that people, you know, they don't leave this, this, this show with the idea that I'm like a Puritan or whatever, I, I mentioned the other day on the show with Josh, compare WAP with the, cult, with the, 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 the song called Zetem by Ginsburg and Jane Birkin, where he, he, the, the lyrics are literally sound like, if there are kids, please go away. Like, you know, I go in and out of you and uh, basically I feel, anyway, but that was transgressive though, for some, because it was, it had some elements, at least in my book, some element of, kind of exaltation, like they took sex seriously. That's why rumor has it that, that it was recorded with Ginsburg actually having uh, actual sex with uh, Jane Birkin, or uh, I think the first version was, was with, uh, I think with Brigitte Bardot, anyway, I'm not sure. But okay, that's, uh, that's, that's, that, these were my thoughts on the issue again of transgression. I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I'll agree with what you said at the end. If you don't know what you stand for, then it's kind of a, a, lost, a lost battle. But having spent years of my life as a lefty cool kid that tried to be transgressive for its own sake, looking, it's, looking back at my then self, I say, well, basically I was, uh, I was just a loser. And the same goes to people who are on our side and kind of want to own the libs or whatever and be edgy without actually bringing something to the table. Yeah, a lot yes. of the a lot of the edgy people they're they're making fun of the left for having a system, for having a philosophy. They're making fun of the left saying, "Haha, you guys are like a religion." No, but you're you're making fun of kind of what's good about the left, if I can put it that way. Like you're making fun of them for having values even though as their values are like rooted in nihilism and the rejection of standards. Uh, the world has gotten very strange. The world has gotten strange and it's going to get stranger when we see just the way that all these mongrel philosophies are, are uh, blending into each other. Look, you've got, I mean, there are, look, do feminists, where do feminists stand on sex? Some of them think that all sex is rape and other ones think, no, sex should be completely open and anyone who wants it should have it with whoever they want. Because now these two views are not opposite. They both reject egoism. They both reject objectivity and the sort of grounding of values in fact and individualism. So once, uh, once like the correct answer is rejected, you're going to see all types of strange blends and odd bedfellows, which is why we're seeing a libertarian uh, figurehead like Milo now saying he's fine with anti-blasphemy laws and why we're seeing the alt-right who sort of uh, made a name for themselves for, for shattering all social conventions in, in, in their humor that, um, you know, today it's very safe to assume that many of them would be fine with anti-blasphemy laws or, or in um, legally mandating that sex be saved for marriage and things like that. The world has gotten strange and it's going to get stranger. So um, look, look to the truth. Look to a good philosophy rather than trying to uh, debunk, debunk the bad ones. And you know what? You will not find a good philosophy in the Republican National Convention. But because, dear viewers, we are there for you. 
so that you don't have to follow it. We will follow it. And tomorrow, election Tuesday, or as the producer suggested, we should call it something like, I don't know, horrendous Tuesday or disaster Tuesday or something like that. But it didn't sound well. Tomorrow, the show will be based on the Republican National Convention. From your co-hosts, Raka and myself, all the best. Bye-bye. Goodbye.